Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of muscles of the eye found under the ophthalmology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a quick review of the muscles of the eye. The superior rectus is innervated by the oculomotor nerve or cranial nerve 3 and functions in elevation and intorsion. The inferior rectus is also innervated by oculomotor nerve and functions in depression and extortion. The lateral rectus is innervated by the abducens nerve or cranial nerve 6 and functions in abduction and lateral movements of the eye. The medial rectus is innervated by oculomotor nerve and functions in adduction or medial movements of the eye. The superior oblique is innervated by the trochlear nerve or cranial nerve 4 and functions in depression and intorsion and the inferior oblique is innervated by the oculomotor nerve and functions in elevation and extorsion. Now let's discuss different cranial nerve palsies. For an oculomotor nerve palsy or a third nerve palsy, this results in paralysis of the innervated extraocular muscles. Therefore, the lateral rectus and superior oblique muscles are preserved. This leads to a quote-unquote down-and-out position of the eye at rest with additional findings depending on the location and cause of the lesion. Other findings that can be seen with the third nerve palsy include ptosis due to the oculomotor nerve's innervation to the levator palpebrae muscle and medriasis due to the parasympathetic fibers of the oculomotor nerve innervating the iris sphincter muscles. In terms of the etiologies, it may be due to a compression such as from aneurysms such as from a posterior communicating artery aneurysm or uncle herniation. The pathogenesis involves first compressing the outer components of the third nerve where the parasympathetic fibers are. So presentation is with the painful down and out eye with a blown pupil. Vascular disease is another cause which can include diabetes, hypertension, and hyperlipidemia. This presents with ischemic damage to the interior component of the nerve and will demonstrate a painless down and out eye with sparing of the pupil. A trochlear nerve palsy or fourth nerve palsy results in paralysis of the superior oblique muscle, which normally intorts and depresses the eye. This results in hypertropia or eye elevation and extorsion of the eye. The etiologies may include a head trauma. Remember that the trochlear nerve is thin and has a long course from the brainstem to the eye, putting it at increased risk for sheer injury during head trauma. It may present with the head tilting away from the affected eye as this corrects the extorsion. There may also be chin tucking and slightly looking upward as this corrects the hypertropia. And for an abducens nerve palsy or sixth nerve palsy, this results in paralysis of the lateral rectus muscle, which normally abducts the eye. Etiologies include an increased intracranial pressure, such as from intracranial tumors, pseudotumor cerebri, and hydrocephalus. Remember that the abducens nerve has a long course over the clivus and petrous bone. Therefore, it is susceptible to experiencing downward traction in the setting of a space-occupying lesion. It will present with a horizontal diplopia. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to muscles of the eye, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 35-year-old man is transferred to the intensive care unit after a motorcycle accident. He does not open his eyes with painful stimuli. He makes no sounds. 
he assumes decerebrate posture with sternal rub. His right eye is abnormally positioned downward and outward and has a dilated pupil which is not responsive to light. In contrast to this patient's findings, one would expect a patient with a diabetic mononeuropathy of the oculomotor nerve to present in which fashion. And the answer choices are Choice 1. Downward and outward gaze, ptosis, and a fixed dilated pupil. Choice 2. Downward and outward gaze with ptosis and a responsive pupil. Choice 3. Fixed dilated pupil with normal extraocular movements. Choice 4. Inability to abduct the eye. Or choice 5. Ptosis only. The best answer to this question is choice 2. Downward and outward gaze with ptosis and a responsive pupil. In a diabetic mononeuropathy, damage is ischemic so only somatic nerve fibers are affected, resulting in ptosis and a downward and outward gaze. In compression, all fibers are affected, so there is ptosis, down and out gaze, and a fixed dilated pupil. The extraocular muscles are innervated by cranial nerves 3, 4, and 6. Cranial nerve 4 innervates the superior oblique, while cranial nerve 6 innervates the lateral rectus. Cranial nerve 3 innervates the remainder of the extraocular muscles, in addition to the levator muscle, which controls elevation of the upper lid. These fibers run on the inner portion of the nerve and are most commonly affected by vascular disease when there is ischemic damage secondary to poor oxygen diffusion into the inner part of the nerve. Parasympathetic fibers on the outer edge of the nerve are responsible for pupillary constriction. They are affected first by compression, as observed in a PCA Berry aneurysm, and uncle herniation. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. This is the presentation in a patient who has developed compression of the third nerve, as in the vignette above. Choice 3. The fibers that control pupillary constriction lie on the surface of the third nerve, and thus are less likely to experience ischemic damage before the fibers that control extraocular muscles. Choice 4. This describes a sixth nerve palsy. Choice 5. Ptosis alone may occur with damage to sympathetic fibers. That's all for this review about muscles of the eye. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, We'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.